0: Uh, we're having a sweet morning here this morning, aren't we? And I'm believing that um, as we now switch gears and, and go and look at God's Word together, that's just going to increase. So I want to invite you to grab your Bible and turn again with me to the words of Jesus this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 31 through, through 32. And if you don't know, the word gospel there, if that's kind of a churchy word to you. What it means is it means good news story— and proclamation of God's invitation to be saved—that's what the word gospel means: good news story about God's invitation to be saved. And today we're going to—we're on our second week of a new fall series that we're kicking off that we kicked off last Sunday, called Pursuing Jesus, based on the words of Jesus. This morning we're going to be looking at the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, and we're looking at the words of Jesus to kind of revisit the vision and values we believe that Jesus would have us be about as a church. And so these next number of weeks, we're just coming to some core things that we see in the scriptures and in the words of Jesus that we believe we should be all about. And that's kind of what this series is about. I'm so glad you're here this morning, and I'm so glad that you catch us online when maybe you can't be here in person to just be on this journey that we're a part of here. But last week we began by reminding ourselves that here at Wellspring, our vision is to pursue a deeper life in Christ. No matter where we're at or where we're coming from, there's always another step that God's inviting us to with him. And that's, that's our vision, to pursue deeper life in Christ. It's written on the, the back of our wall, where we don't want to just be a fan of Jesus. We don't want to just be a fan of Jesus. We want to be an all-in, committed follower of Jesus. We want to be a community of, of passionate pursuers of Jesus, Who are taking him up on his invitation for us to know him as the the bread of life and, and the living water that our hearts thirst for. That's who Jesus says he is. And we are taking him up on his word. And that's our vision. And today I want to talk about the foundation of that vision, which is God's word. And so here in John chapter eight, as Jesus is walking along with his disciples and he's beginning to let them in on what he has come for and what he has come to do in their lives, he has conversation with them. He's building relationship with them. He's inviting them in to his life. And as as he's talking with them in John chapter eight, he says to them, and by extension, you and me, as we hold in our hands his words, if you hold to my teaching, You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A little bit later in John 15, Jesus just keeps this conversation going. And he says, if you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And then it comes with a promise. He says, the one who loves who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. And then a little later, still, as Jesus gets away and, and he prays and he lets us in on what he prays to the Father in John chapter 17, as we keep following in Jesus here, he begins praying for his disciples. And all those still yet to believe and come to faith through their witness, you and me. And it says, Jesus prays this, he says, Father, and just listen to these words, sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. You you know, God's written word, uh, this, this book or this app on your phone, however you have it with you, reveals to us what is true. What is true about God? What is true about how to know him? What is required of him? What is true about the one behind the clouds and the sky and the world you drive by every day and the quiet moments that you have in your heart realizing you're alive? And what is this all about? What is true beyond all of that? This is what the word of God reveals to us. What is true? It, it, these written words are God's revelation to us of what is true. What is true? what is true of God, what he is desiring, how to know him, what this existence is about. It's writing inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's truth illuminated to your heart and to mine as you would give yourself to it by the work of the Spirit. And I want to say this this morning. This is really the big idea of the message that I encourage you to build your life on. And it is this. That the way we pursue Jesus and being a passionate pursuer of him is with his word. It's with his word. A pursuit of Jesus is always tied to a pursuit of his word. Keeping his commands and holding to his word is what sets our lives free, the scriptures say. And what keeps us close in communion with God. And what will give your life a unshakable foundation, regardless of how much things change. And not only for now, but literally for all eternity. That's the scope of the promises of God for our lives. You know, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus quotes the word of God through Moses in the Old Testament. In the book of Deuteronomy, under the test of the devil before Jesus launched out into his public ministry saying it is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so let me just ask you a diagnostic heart question this morning. And it is simply this. Have you been pursuing Jesus with his word? In his word? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning because it is so foundational, so important for your life in terms of what it will become, what you will receive from from him if you stay connected with him by staying connected to his word. And at the end of the message today, I just want to try to get real practical and hopefully a little memorable and leave you with a visual with your hand as an easy way to remember how you can practically get a stronger grip on the word of God and God's promises for your life And so we're going to come to that at the very end. But, you know, a number of years ago, I was thinking about a story uh, about this when I was serving as a pastor in another church in Vancouver prior to being at Wellspring. And while I was there, a young man came forward, and he wanted to be baptized. That was uh, super encouraging for me to hear. He was in his 20s. His name was John. And he was passionate about wanting to be baptized. And, uh, And I was thrilled to hear that news. And so we met a couple of times, and I was beginning to get to know him. Just something that was kind of not clicking. And the more we talked and uh, the more I asked him questions about, you know, who is Jesus to you and, and what does it mean to be baptized, you know, and I was certainly sharing with him along the way, but but it just became clear that a lot of his ideas weren't really lining up with the Jesus of the Bible. And this young man was kind of basically uh, believing in a, a different Jesus. That's what I came to the conclusion in that discipleship conversation in, in, about baptism. And it was exciting, but we just came to this point where I said, you know, you really need to understand Jesus as he is. Because in a sense, um, you're kind of following a Jesus where you're sort of of your own making. And we can all make that mistake. And so sometimes when someone says, hey, I, I'm into Jesus, I believe in Jesus, I go to church, or I'm, I love God, I, I, I wonder sometimes, and I sensitively will even maybe ask if the opportunity is there, which one? You know, the Jesus of the Bible, of the Scriptures, or maybe another version of some sort. You know, Jesus is probably the most imagined and depicted figure in all of art history. It's quite amazing when, if you just do a simple Google search of paintings of Jesus and see the variety of images that you'll find. See, the, the problem is that when we don't know Jesus according to his word, we don't pursue him with his word, we can make the mistake of, of making Jesus you know, according to our image, or put on him the the image of the the values of the world around us. We can start believing in a, in a Jesus of our own making. But it's actually supposed to be, if you read God's word, the other way around, where we conform to his image instead of making him conform to ours. And that's what being in the word is all about. It's being in the know of what God wants to do and making you more like him in his son. And so in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul writes this, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Paul says God predestined us. He, his plan for us is for our hearts, our inner person, to be conformed to the image of his son. But that will only happen as you acquaint yourself with the truth of who he is in his word. And so I just want you to know, I just want to take this moment and this opportunity with you this morning to say that here at Wellspring, we are pursuing the Jesus of God's word. We are pursuing the Jesus of the scriptures of the Bible, where we are looking to be conformed and transformed into his image, and not trying to conform him to ours. That's our conviction, based on what we believe about the word of God. And I want to encourage you to make it your conviction in your walk with God, and what you think this journey with Jesus is all about. You know, in the opening chapter of John's gospel, this proclamation of God's invitation to be saved, he introduces Jesus in the most unique and I think kind of fascinating way right out of the opening line where it's almost an echo of the book of Genesis and it's a much bigger conversation that we're not going to have today but he calls Jesus the word. John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and again there that statement is unbelievable in terms of of the of what it is saying about who Jesus is, that we don't have time to kind of go through and fully unpack this morning. But, But the takeaway here for today is that Jesus is God's living word to us. That's what I believe John was basically saying in a nutshell. As God, Jesus is the living embodiment of truth, but it's through the written word. It's through the written word that we have an encounter with the living word. The written word will always take you To the living word. The destination isn't knowledge for knowledge's sake. The destination isn't the the written word itself. The destination is to have an encounter and a relationship with the true living God. And the way we encounter the truth of him is through the written word. And the more we are in the truth of God's written word, the more we will know and encounter Jesus as the living word. And so I want to challenge you today, as I'm challenging myself, to ask God to give you a greater hunger and a greater passion for his word than you, have pres- than you presently have or maybe you've had in the past. Because it will lead you to a greater encounter with Jesus. You know, I try to read the Bible every day. It's what leads me to a daily encounter with him. And I was reading God's Word the other day in the Gospel of John, and I was reviewing the words of Jesus. And I was just struck by what he was saying about the Father heart of God for me. And I kind of know that in my head, but it was just a morning where I had like a, a heart, a fresh heart revelation. Because life is hard. There's ups and downs and you can't physically see God. And sometimes you go, God, where are you? And you're kind of wondering, where am I with you? Or where are you with me? And all of those sorts of questions. But then I, I read again the word of God. And I become reacquainted with the truth. that The truth is that the Father, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. And, and he is the image of the invisible God. And he is the one who's come to acquaint me with the love of my heavenly Father. And I live with a confidence because I have a knowledge of the love of my Heavenly Father in me on account of God's grace, not because of anything I've done, other than perhaps to try to acquaint myself with the truth of the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to take me into its reality for my life and my walk with Him. And so I just try to crack open my ipad or my iphone every morning i try not to leave the house without reading the word of god i want to read the word of god before i go out the door and into the world and i want to invite you to do the same a believer is not regularly in god's word is like a ship adrift without an anchor or a compass being pushed along by the winds and the currents of the ocean to who knows where Someone said this, the Bible is meant to be daily bread, not cake for special occasions. I like that. I thought that was great. I want to give you just a couple reasons why you would want to be passionate about God's Word, and why you would give yourself to it, even apart from knowing the truth of who Jesus is, which is all important. And here's the first reason, to be prosperous and successful in God's plan for your life. This first reason comes from the word of God through the words of Joshua to the Israelites it's in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, where Joshua says to the people, keep this book of the law, meaning God's written word, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be, be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua says to keep God's word always on your lips, to be meditating on what God has said in your day, but also in your night. And to be careful to do what God has said. And why? So that you'll be prosperous and successful. Not prosperous and successful necessarily in a worldly sense in terms of money or fame. Although God may grant you wealth and fame as God has done for many through Scripture, Joseph and others that you read about. But prosperous and successful in terms of God's plan for your life. Before you were born, God knew you. In the womb, he knew you. He knew the times that you would live in. That's what it says in the book of Acts. God has a plan for each one of our lives. And to God, it's a big plan and an important one. However it may look to the rest of the world, however small you might think it might be, and God wants you to prosper and be successful in the thing that he had in mind for you and the uniqueness and the details of your life. That you would exhibit God's blessings and fruitfulness in being an example and a witness to others. Adhering to God's will is what keeps you, God's word, I should say, is what keeps you in the will of God. And that is the most prosperous and successful place you could be in the center of God's will. There's just nothing more successful or prosperous than that because you will be involved in things that will last for all eternity. Here's the second reason to pursue Jesus with his word, and it comes from what God says in Psalm 119, where the psalmist says, how can a young person stay on the the path of purity? And then the psalmist answers his own question by saying, by living according to your word. A couple of verses later, he adds, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so we pursue Jesus with his word because it helps us be pure, And avoid sin there are some young people in the house here this morning Uh, we we have like a few right in the front row here and a number out there and I love all the young people and the emerging generation at our church and this is like a word squarely for you guys here this morning but it's also for all of us keeping in God's Word keeps you in the light and in the right space keeping in God's Word keeps you thinking about the kind of life God has called us to in being a follower and a believer of Jesus. Staying in God's word keeps you thinking about him moment to moment. What he wants you to say no to, what he wants you to say yes to. Staying pure in your thoughts is a battle. I don't care who you are. It is a battle for every single one of us. Living a God-honoring lifestyle in terms of what you watch and what you consume and what you give yourself to is a daily decision for every single one of us. And what helps us, especially when we're young, is staying in God's Word. Staying in God's Word grounds you and calls you back when you've drifted away. That's what the Word of God does for us if we will give ourselves to it and you know, like when Jesus comes into your life, no matter at what stage in your life or what the, the details of your story are, when he comes into your life, he begins a, a bit of a cleanup project, a sanctification uh, project in your life where he begins to speak to you about the pollutants that have come into your heart in life, things that are polluting your heart with sin and putting distance between you and God because he's a holy God who's pure in every way. Living according to God's word is what helps you avoid the things that pollute the heart and put distance between you and God. Paul says this in Galatians 5, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And what Paul is talking about, don't go back to the things that once polluted your heart, but stay pure and avoid the things that you were saved from. And we do that by staying connected to what God has said in his word. Because our vision gets cloudy. Our ideas of what's okay or not okay aren't really very trustworthy. We've got to always filter our thinking and our thoughts and our decisions through his word. Paul goes on to say this from his own life. You know, the acts of the flesh, they're obvious. These pollutants. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. He says witchcraft, discord, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, and he just and he goes on and on. But he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, it's so different. He says it's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and self-control. Just a, a beautiful, beautiful list, list. And that list really represents a changed life. And we read about what it, what it takes to have and receive a changed life in God's word. And Paul says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Because they've stayed acquainted with God through the truth of his word. I don't know about you, but I need to remember and I need the reminder of scripture every day with the Holy Spirit's help to keep crucifying those desires that we all have are confronted by and tempted by and instead be reminded in those moments of God's invitation through his word to lean on him and to walk with him to receive a truly transformed life. Not a religious life, but a a changed life. Here's the third reason to be in the word of God that I wanna highlight just for today's purposes and it comes from God's word in 2 Timothy 3.16 which reminds us that all scripture Is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And again, this is one of those verses where, man, that's a that's an entire sermon right there, but I just want to highlight one word. And the word I encourage you to circle and underline is correction. We need to be in God's word so that we can be corrected. (laughs) And I realize that may not sound very attractive. (laughs) Or compelling. I want to be in God's word so I can be corrected. Yes, you do. You want to be corrected. You want to be corrected. If you're a passionate pursuer of Jesus, you don't want anything in your life to get in the way of being closer to him. And when you're off base in your attitude, and when you're off base in what you think is right in God's eyes, when you've kind of I don't know, drifted a little bit. You want to be corrected. You want to be brought back. You want the correction of God. All of us have times where we need God to to correct us. And sometimes he uses people. Sometimes it's a verse off the page. But God wants to correct us because he loves us. And he wants us to be on the path that leads closer and closer to him. Someone once said, I've read many books but I let the Bible read me. In other words, let the Bible examine and correct me as I read it. I love that. I love that. And so, you know, like, when I'm taking my time with God and His Word, I'm reading. I love to read. But I'm not just reading. I'm reflecting. I'm I'm thinking things through. I'm 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 asking God to read me, if you like. I think, I reflect, I have a conversation with Jesus, and you know what else I often do? I often repent. I often repent because I've heard a word of correction from his word where I've come face to face with an attitude or an action or a something that is not in keeping with him. And I realize I needed that correction. And so do you. I allow God to correct me because I know that God and his love just wants me to be closer to him. That's really what it's about. You know, Mark Twain, who was not a believer, that 19th century satirical writer, he wrote this, he says, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. And I want to say this, as you read God's word and you give yourself to it, let God bother you. Let God bother you about your life. Let him get in there and speak to you and stir it up. That's the only way we'll become changed people. You know, Paul wrote that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. Many of you know the name Chuck Colson. Colson's name became infamous during the 1970s, Nixon, you know, Watergate scandal in Washington. And for his role in that scandal, Chuck Colson went to jail for a short period of time. And while there, in going from the White House to a jail cell, he hit bottom and he saw his need for God. And by the providence of God, he came to faith in Christ. And after he was released from prison, and the embarrassment of all of that, He began a ministry to prisoners called Prison Fellowship, which has gone on to become an international ministry that many of you have heard about. Some of our own people here at Wellspring this morning are involved with Prison Fellowship Canada by going to Maplehurst Correctional Facility right up the road in Milton to lead Bible studies, pray for inmates, and now some of you are doing that on the phone because of the pandemic. But here's what Colson wrote, though, about the Bible. He writes, the Bible is banned, it's burned, and it's beloved. More widely read, more frequently attacked than any other book in history. Generations of intellectuals have attempted to discredit it. Dictators of every age have outlawed it and executed those who've read it. Yet soldiers carry it into battle believing it more powerful than their weapons. Fragments of it smuggled into solitary prison cells have transformed ruthless killers into gentle saints. Through God's word, wholesome sound christ and a changed life and the same invitation is there for all of us so i want to give you to close here this morning a simple way for you to think about how to get a stronger grip on god's word and his promises for your life so just do me a favor here for this morning lift up your hand with me just just lift up your hand with me just simple Uh, you're not signing up for anything right now you're just this object lesson just lifting up your hand okay now now just close your fist okay except for your pinky put put your pinky finger up like you're like you're drinking british tea okay pinky finger up each finger on your hand okay and i'm going to talk about this in a moment represents uh, a different discipline to engage with the word of god for it to become a foundation for your life okay now think about a grip the more fingers you use i mean the the, the stronger grip you're going to have on something if you've ever tried to grip something with your pinky alone it's just not that great I, I the odd fortino's bag i can i can lift with my pinky as i'm trying to carry more than three at a time because i'm lazy to go back and forth from the car actually when i was in grade eight Uh, I caught a softball the wrong way and this pinky finger got broken and it never healed correctly. It's got a bit of arthritis in it. So I'm going to use this one. But but you're not going to get a strong grip from just a pinky. Your pinky, if I could say it this way, and this is a great illustration that actually Rick Warren talks about to give credit where it's due, represents hearing God's word like we're doing this morning together. We all need to hear God's word. That's often where faith starts. That's often where someone first hears and hears the invitation. But as I said, a pinky alone is just not a strong grip to really do much. It's it's the starting place. It's good. But to get a grip on something, you need so much more than your pinky engaged. And so we we start with hearing the Word of God, but we need to do more than that. We need to read it and that's where your ring finger comes in if you will and if you don't know where to start in reading God's word for yourself and not taking my word for it why don't you just download the Bible app on your phone there are a myriad of of Bible reading plans there there it's an unbelievable amount but one of my favorites is the Bible in one year by the Alpha Course You can write that down, the Bible in one year by the Alpha Course, or there's the New Testament in one year by the Alpha Course. It'll give you a a chunk of verses to read every day and you'll get through the Bible or you'll get through the New Testament in a year and it'll be good. And if that's just maybe sounding a little bit overwhelming and I don't want to set myself up for failure, then just grab the Gospel of John and choose a few verses each day and simply pick up where you left off the day before. And if you missed a day, you don't just give up. You just pick up with wherever you left off. And you say, Lord, just help this to become a habit. And then we move to our middle finger. And that's always dangerous. So let's redeem our middle finger, shall we? That's where we do more than read. It's where I hear or read than we study. And if you really want a grip on God's word, you make room in your life for a point of study. Studying God's word is like taking a pit stop as you're reading something. And just ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to highlight on the page for me today? What word, what concept do you want me to kind of take notice of today, God? There's tons there, but what's the one? What's the one today? And you just kind of look at God's word verse by verse. It's called inductive Bible study when you're looking for a biblical principle to apply to your life like forgiveness, like practicing generosity, or making the sacrifice to put God first in some way. You know, I came across a warning of a warning to those who might take up inductive Bible study, and I think you should hear it, so let me just offer it. Inductive Bible study can be habit-forming. Putting the principles into practice can cause loss of anxiety, decreased appetite for lying, cheating, stealing, or hating, and can cause symptoms of growing sensations of love, peace, joy, compassion. Some of you are getting the joke. Okay, good. Let's move on. So we've got hearing, reading, studying. Let's go to our pointing finger, and that's meditating. To meditate is simply to think about and focus on. And so from your time in God's Word, take some of that with you for the rest of the day and say i'm going to keep coming back to that thought that i read in god's word this morning in your day on your lunch break in between emails as you're talking to someone and you're not really listening well you're just talking with god instead don't anyway Um, but just consider how that applies or may impact your life in terms of what god wants to do why the pointer because the more you meditate on what God wants to do and understand, the more your life is going to be formed according to his direction. It's going to point you well in the right way. And now let's just quickly come to the thumb before we land the plane today. You know, it is amazing, actually, how weak our grip is without the thumb. Have You ever noticed that? Like, if you try not to use your thumb or your big toe, for that matter, it's not pretty. We need our thumb. And if we could... Think of the thumb as memorization in this conversation. That's where I'm going with this. This is what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, where he says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And I don't want to name names here this morning, so I won't, but Pastor Dan was sharing with me about one of our youth challenging his family to join him in memorizing one verse a week as a family. How cool is that? You know who you are. And I thought, that is amazing. And um, why don't you do the same in your household? Why don't you choose a verse for the week and say, hey, let's give ourselves to that. I think the ghouls need to get on that. So we've got hearing the Word of God. We've got reading it for yourself. We've got taking a pit stop to study something God is highlighting. You've got your pointing finger about meditating and chewing on that to say, how should this really shape the direction that I'm going in? And you've got memorization. But honestly, it's still not enough to get a grip on something strongly. You need another part of your hand, and that's simply the palm. And we can just look at the palm of our hand as the application of God's word. It's better to live out one verse or a few than be able to memorize or recite whole chapter if you don't apply it Bible study memorization hearing and reading and studying it's about transformation not simply information it's not about becoming more religious people it's becoming more transformed people Jesus said everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. And with that, I want to invite the worship team to come and help us kind of respond to how God's been speaking this morning. And I want to ask you this question of application as we close. What finger do you need to add next to your pursuit of Jesus with His Word? For some of you, it's going to be like, man, you know what? I'm feeling corrected. (laughs) <laughs> I've pretty much been only hearing God's Word and maybe once a week at this place called Wellspring. I need to read it. That's your next step. I need to make sure I read God's Word every day. At the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, you choose, in the middle, whatever. Maybe that's your step. For others of you, it's memorization. It's, it's, I've got to commit more of God's Word to my heart that I just don't read it and then to forget it but I'm dedicating myself to it. Decide which finger, which part of your hand needs to be added next for you to get a stronger grip on God's word and his promises for your life. And your life will become changed. You will be set free. You will move into the place God wants you to be because the Holy Spirit will be sitting right beside you giving you counsel, giving you strength, giving you insight as to how to apply what you're taking in. The invitation is there. The water (laughs) is there. It's whether or not you'll take a drink. Let's stand on our feet and close off in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you that you're a God who speaks. You're the living God. You speak to us in our hearts. You have declared your glory in creation, even when it's been tainted by the sin of humanity. You're a God who speaks. and You're a God of relationship. And you're a God who's of invitation. And we want to take you up on your invitation, Jesus, to know you as the bread of life and the wellspring of living water. And we also want to be set free by having, keeping, and holding to your word. And so just come and deepen our walk with you, Lord. And would you grant a greater hunger for your word in each one of us that our lives be so solid so solid thank you for your great grace thank you for your correction oh we love you we love you we love you we love you lord because your word says you first loved us and so may we pursue you with all our heart and soul and body and mind And may we do so according to your word. In Jesus' name.